Hello out there. We're on the air. It's, it's Rink Moose Talk tonight. The beers are cold. The mics light up. And, and the, the boys, boys get set to fight. The gloves come off. Opinions get thrown. And someone slips on ice. One man howls. The other scowls. But the show must go on. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. You're an announcer with a long stick from time to time. With hockey flows. And Marshawn's nose. And Pierre Maguire's life. Not John's a leap. Ovechkin's teeth. And Hoffman's crazy wife. When Carey slumps. And Benjamin stumps. Durant's not LaFontaine. Jokes aside, it's podcast time. And Rink Moose is the name. Oh, hockey game is the best game you can Welcome, everybody. To episode 10 of the Rink Moose podcast, a weekly episodic podcast where two good friends get together and discuss all things NHL as well as their implications in fantasy hockey. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Costu, along with my good pal, Nice 53 Kyle Nice. Wow, Nick. Episode 10. Episode you know, 10. It, uh, it's kind of crazy. I I was just saying it's it feels like just yesterday we were in our friend Demos's basement just conceiving this little thought in the back of our minds. Hey, what if we do a podcast? <laughs> it's like, and now we're here. So here we are. Wow, it's been it's been a lot of a uh, lot of fun so far. What we've been giving you guys of uh, in the past has been mostly previews, and today we're gonna switch it up. We're going to get into more of what we're going to be doing in the regular season, which is more discussion-based. It's going to be on uh, based on, you know, recent topics and, you know, what people are talking about in the NHL. And sure, we're still in preseason, but we've got definitely some things to talk about. So um, we'll we'll kick it off with story number one. And that's out of Montreal, Nick. Now, I owe... Mr. Kotkaniemi, a huge apology because I was messaging you and I was watching that rookie game and I was saying, Nick, I told you this guy's a bust. Jesperi Kotkaniemi. I was like, now hold on. I want to put this into context. I I wasn't super happy with the, the third overall pick. Shout out to the lady in that funny YouTube video where she's, she's looking to the sky when Montreal picks, uh, picks him third. But right. man, oh man. And uh, that was for various reasons. Not because generally like I thought he was a bad player or anything. I, I thought he was sure he was going to be a good player. But uh, I just liked other guys around him better. But uh, I'll tell you, Nick, like I've watched a lot of these Montreal preseason games. I, you know, I follow out of Montreal and this guy, he's uh, he's got something on this team, on these lines that I don't think anyone else on the team has. And that uh, that's saying a lot, considering I'm a huge Druan fan um, in terms of skills, in terms of skills, like physically, he's not going to blow you away, but his brain and his hockey sense are are already at a level that that could st- make him a standout in the league. It's really really interesting to watch because he's not like I said he's not going to dazzle you. He's not going to skate down the ice and blow by you like a McDavid. Um, in in a, in a way, he's almost the uh, the polar opposite. Well, not the polar opposite, but the uh, 
the other end of Druen because Druen's got these off the chart skills, but sometimes you question him defensively and positioning and maybe he makes a, a bit of a, a loose bonehead play here and there. Sure, it happens, but I could see these two players, Druen and Kotkaniemi, becoming very, very good friends down the road. This guy is uh, looking like the real deal, and he's actually made he's made the team out of, uh, out of camp at least for the first nine games. What do you what do you think of the player, Nick? Have uh, have you have you been seeing him? Well, I I can't say I've watched as many games as you have, just given the nature of you know which teams we have interest in. You know, I I think I've only tuned in for the Montreal games when they played the Leafs. But from what I can what I, what I can say from what I've seen is that yes, he's he's very skilled. He's got a high uh, hockey IQ. Great playmaker. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not the flashiest skater, you know, or, or he made like, you know, like a Drew Ann, but he's got a great shot. We've seen it, you know, a little bit. He's seemingly always knows where everybody is on the ice. He's, he just knows where to be at the right time. It's, it's very impressive for an 18 year old, especially when you consider the fact that he didn't play much center in Finland. When he was in Finland, he played mostly on the wing. Right. So you, you throw him into the NHL, you know, the, the best league in the entire world. You ask him to play center with new line mates. He's never, he's never skated with in his life. And here he is in, I don't know, what is it, seven preseason games he's played in, just, mm -hmm. just tearing it up. Um, mm -hmm. You know, maybe not on the scoreboard, maybe not all, you know, the numbers aren't there, but if you just watch the kid, he clearly knows what he's doing. And so... Yes, I, I, I'm a fan of the player, just short term from what I've seen. But I, I think I, I think it's a fact that he's he looks good, and I and not a lot of people can deny that. I think the biggest doubt, the biggest question mark, right now, is does this kid belong in the show right mm. now? And I and I think that's the discussion that needs to be had. Mm. And yeah, you mentioned uh, a point about he's not tearing it up on the scoreboard, and it, it's because he's not. Uh, his game is all about the, the subtleties. And that is something that you really look for in a two-way player, especially a two-way center, is can they do the little things right? And um, to your point, um, sure, he's made the team out of camp. We're going to see him for at least nine games. But is this the right move for the kid? Uh, there's, my train of thought right now is um, I w he has been playing on the big ice his whole life. And he's just getting used to the small ice now. I like that for his development. Um, but at the same time, I'm not sure he's ready for that number one or number two center role. What I'd like to see him do is get that nine game test. If the team is winning and things are, are feeling positive, then you can keep him around. But if the team is losing and, and he's still doing pretty good, I I'd like to see him in the AHL personally, just, just for a year, like go, go to the AHL, get used to the small ice you know, tear it up, um, get get some chemistry, learn the system, because that's what the AHL is mainly for, is learning the Montreal Canadian system. Over in Finland, they play their own system, right? So that's what I'd like to see from them. I mean, the Canadians aren't trying to win this year, um, and I think the AHL would do great uh, would do great for this kid. That being said, if he does, if he keeps doing what he's doing early in the season. I mean, that management group is going to have a really tough time sending them down. I, 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 can, I can hardly see Kotkaniemi putting up numbers and Bergevin saying, 
yes, we're going to send them down. Like, I don't know if I can see it. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. This will this will make for an interesting discussion because I'm actually in the opposite boat. I don't think he has any business playing in the NHL right now. Ooh. And uh, the reason I say that is because I, I think we're in a day and age here where we've we're just we've become so much more accustomed to hearing about that 18 year old who shouldn't have been rushed into the league than that 18 year old who was pushed into the league at 18 and it paid off and it looked great. Uh, there's been a lot more cases where it's been the former than the latter point I just made. And, and for that reason, I, I think you're kind of rolling the dice here because I mentioned the thing about not having played center back back home. So he's playing a new position here. He's going to have to get used to the grind. He's going to be, you know, on, on, on fancy flights and staying in fancy hotels and eating fancy food. And he's going to be playing every two to three days, sometimes on a back to back. And I, I just think it's asking too much of a kid who's just 18. And I think we've seen the script too much in the past with other players and things go horribly wrong. I just mm-hmm. don't know why you even run that risk. Because when you, when you just w- look at the two options here, what, what's the best worst case scenario of both, both routes? If he goes back to Finland right now, best case scenario is he develops, he keeps developing, and it's only good. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario is the Habs lose out on a guy who could have been put into the center position. Mm-hmm. which I don't think is that bad of a worst-case scenario given this team. A lot of pundits are already writing off this team as not a playoff contender, even with mm-hmm. Kotkaniemi. Whereas if you look at the NHL option, best-case scenario, I mean, okay, the, the, the kid's great, but like you're probably going to get that in a year or two from now where he may have been even better. And the worst case scenario is fucking awful. It's, it's mm-hmm. basically ruining the kid's career, and we've seen it yeah. so much. So when, I think it's the worst case scenario. When you just view the worst case scenario in both those options, one just seems so much worse than the other. And and for that very reason, I, I think you're really rolling the dice here. And uh, I, I think you ought to just shake his hand and say, hey, you had a great camp, but uh, you're going back to Finland. And, and have him develop there. His his dad's the coach of his team down there. You know he'll he'll throw him. He'll be playing lots of minutes. He'll be playing he'll be playing twenty one minutes a night and mm-hmm. not fourteen fifteen. He'll be playing right now in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just you just let him fly and 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 see how he develops. And however the Habs perform this season is however they perform with or without Cooking Yeah. Yeah, now I agree with you. He shouldn't be in the NHL for long term this year. But I I want him to get his feet wet in the nine games. I just like him playing um, like uh, smaller ice in the AHL. That that's where I'd want to see him, just personally. But uh, but yeah, the 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 kid looks great and good for him. Good for Montreal. The the point I was making earlier is uh, I don't trust Bergevin to make that correct decision about re- regarding him staying in the NHL or not, because right. uh, he's on he's on a hot seat. Let's be honest. And if he showcases this controversial third overall pick uh that seemingly works out in this first year then he's going to be uh he's going to gain the graces of the Montreal fans in in a in a little bit in a little way so that's why I don't trust the guy to make the right choice here you no know, you you could almost you could almost put yourself in his shoes and and feel like he's he's got this pressure mm-hmm. to to please the fans because he's done such a terrible job to this point and you, you could argue he's just doing this for the betterment of his job more so than for the betterment of the kid. Mm-hmm. 
Now that, that's a long grasp because you know that ultimately that's a pretty shitty th move to do. So I, I don't think we want to just point the finger at him just yet and accuse him of of, of that being his rationale. Yeah. But hey, all in all, regardless of that, like I said, I mean, I heard a very good point, and it, and this this was a great point, and it was it was made by Gord Miller, one of the best voices in the NHL, <laughs> and, and he he said he said, wait, don't don't wait until the Habs are ready for Kotkaniemi, wait for Kotkaniemi to be ready for the Habs. Mm. So just because just because Montreal may want him, and just because they will have a fan base to please, doesn't mean shit. Wait till the kid is ready for the show, and, nice. and right now it just it just doesn't look that way. So mm -hmm. I'll uh, I'll close my case with that. Good words from Gord Miller. Thank you, Gord. <laughs> We uh, we'll give you a shout out, give you a little bit yes. of fame there, like you know, build up the uh, the following for Gord. Thank you, Gord. <laughs> uh, another thing, I just want to point out, I'm I'm super impressed. Just in the last, you know, five six years, the amount of talent coming out of Finland has been fantastic. Now that we're on the subject, uh, Barkov, Line, Rantanen, uh, Kotkaniemi, Puljujarvi, and um, this ne in the next draft, 2019, you have Capo Keiko, who's the consensus number two. I don't know what they're feeding them over there, Nick, but uh, Finland's just consistently turning out some top-level talent. They seem to have a guy every year in the top five that uh, that's a huge impact guy. So just just hats off to them. I don't know what they're doing over there, but it, it's going well. It's going really well for them. Yeah, I feel like they've kind of elevated themselves now to the, mm. the Russia, Sweden, Canada, U.S. field. You know, that that used to be just a tier in itself. But of late, whether it be just, you know, prospects who are coming into fruition or, you know, performance on international stages, whether it be world championships or world juniors, you see the Finns <clears throat> make, making a stride in all those respects. So I'd only agree. The, the only the interesting thing, though, and, and I read this, is a lot of these European teams down in Europe, they're – they're petitioning for these players to stay clubs back home mm. because what's going on is a lot of these players are coming to North America. They're trying out for the team and a lot of them aren't making the team. And they're being a complaint that a lot of these European clubs have is by basically having all their best talent in the AHL, they're not home. And, and, and because of that, the, the fans who aren't coming to games, they're losing out on ticket revenue. Mm -hmm. and, and the leagues down there in the in, in the international leagues aren't doing as well from all respects because you have basically this big hodgepodge of players hmm. in the AHL. They, they weren't quite good enough to get at the NHL. Teams want them to develop, just like we were talking about with Kokinyemi. And as a consequence of that, they're just, the talent there in those European leagues is just dried up. So there's been there's been this big effort by these you know these these coaching coaches and, and management in international leagues trying to reach out and, and kind of make that point. So I, I I read about that and I found that pretty interesting. Yeah, that's a good point because um, I'll just draw light to the the current deal that the CHL has with the NHL. As you know, if you draft a guy at 18 in the NHL draft and you want to send him back. The AHL is not an option until he's 20. And that is for the exact reason you mentioned. They want to keep that top talent in the CHL, you know, to sell tickets and that kind of thing. So the CHL has already hedged their uh, hedged their 
their risk there and made that deal to keep their top talent there, making those players ineligible for the AHL. You know, you might see down the line something like that from from the European leagues, but I don't know too much on the subject. I ju- I could just see where yeah, there's definitely friction there, and I and I understand like that uh, that would that would bug me too as as an NHL or sorry as a as a team owner. If I want to sell tickets, I mean, you know, I I grew the guy. I know you sure you drafted him, but uh, you know, let him let him play for me until he's ready. You know. Yeah, no, and, and some of these teams, their livelihood is dependent on some of these players. Um, you know, there there was this Leafs uh, Leafs kid. Um, he was he was the Swede. Who was the Sandine, right? Sa- yeah, Sa- most yeah. Recently drafted. Yeah. Yep. So, anyways, he's gonna he's they decided today he's gonna be in the AHL, and basically the team. This is a great example. The team he would have been playing for in Sweden. It's kind of one of those bubble teams who's on the verge of being relegated because that's how uh, things work down there. Yeah. And so basically, because they want to put him in the AHL instead of sending him back home, that team that team may not even be in their respective league come next year because they won't have you know, to, the, to the point they need to this year and they don't have their star in Sandin. Mm-hmm. And for that very reason, uh, they may have no team. So, you know, that that's just another great example right there. Mm-hmm. It almost seems like the NHL in this case is the big bad bully taking all these yeah. these players yeah. from around the world, and I get it. But yeah, there's uh, there's friction there for sure. Uh, so yeah, moving on. So we've been talking about preseason. We've been talking about Kotkaniemi. But uh, I want to ask you, what uh, what is the value of preseason? Um, now, to me, uh, as I've gotten more experienced in my in my hockey knowledge. I'm starting to throw the preseason stats and standings straight out the window. Um, to me, I see preseason as a, as a platform for rookies to showcase their talent, trying to make the team. Rookies and obviously PTOs and, and young guys like that. And also a way for teams to test line combinations. But uh, I want to just draw your attention to some funny stats. You know, funny preseason stats. We get it every year. Lead leader in goals, Ty Ratty. So that's uh, that's all right. Second is Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, this is the best one, Nick. The goaltending leaders, okay? The leader in wins and the leader in goals against average, they're both New York Islanders goalies. <laughs> now, how good wow. are they defensively, Nick? Oh, my God. Wow. So yeah, hats off to preseason. I mean, it's great. You know, you give us a little taste, but uh, you know, if your team isn't scoring or if your team loses every game, don't feel all that bad because that is not what it's for. To me, it's for the young guys, the PTOs, and the line combos. What are, What are your thoughts on preseason? I yeah no I I think I I'd only echo those statements you made there. I, I see it, you know, it's a huge stage for the kids. It's a huge stage for maybe some veterans who are just, they're trying to get to the NHL and this is the mm-hmm. closest they've gotten, you know, who have spent years in the AHL and this might be their chance. It's a huge stage for those guys. Yeah. Uh, and I think those are the only guys who, you know, you know, garner, should garner people's attentions and, and you should be watching them very closely. But all those solidified guys, all those guys who are already on their teams, I, I agree with you. They're, they, they're not even getting paid to play. That, that's the mm-hmm. ridiculous part. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's almost, it, it's meaningless for them. It's meaningless for the 
fans because they're not there evaluating actually how we'll be playing come the regular season. And uh, yeah, it's it, it's funny. And in those stats you mentioned, you're absolutely right. I was watching a uh, San Jose Vegas game last night, and uh, I kid you not, San Jose had three straight power plays where they let a shorthanded goal. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. This is San Jose, the team that people are clamoring for to be the to be the cup contender yeah. this coming year. Uh, the, the favorite. A lot and, of people, yeah, have them as favorites. Watch the highlights. Three straight power plays. They gave up a goal. It's it's laughably funny. Mm. Um, and and if if you look at all, the whole preseason, San Jose's let five shorthanded goals. And if, wow. if you compare that, if you compare that to all of last season, all eighty-two games, they only let two. Mm-hmm. So I I think that stat in itself should go to show you, hey, listen, these guys clearly don't, you know, care to the extent that they will come come when it really counts. So, you know, I, I, I only, yeah, like I said, I only agree with your, uh, with your uh, statements there and numbers like that, you know, speak volumes. Mm-hmm. Now that all that being said, Nick, are you worried that the LA Kings have not scored a goal in two straight games, Nick? What is going on in LA? I, I'll tell you what, I'm not worried about that I'm, I'm, because, you know, sometimes the roster, they're, they're fielding, you know, only half the games they their a roster out there so I'm, I'm not too concerned about that what i am concerned about is an, it is an injury they had uh dustin brown go down mm. with a broken finger he left the game in their last game versus anaheim oh really saturday yeah broken oh, finger shit. um just just to give you the lowdown this is a guy who has been an iron man in the league um mm. had a very healthy year last year got you know had a career year 61 points and if you look at if you look at his games played before that, you know almost plays every game every single year. He had he had a pretty extensive, you know, healthy streak for a long time. If you look at his playing career, and and now this is kind of you know the first serious injuries he's had to deal with. You know, broken finger. I've I've heard that injury before, and he's not going to yeah. be ready. You know, just it's not it's not going to be weeks. You're looking at probably you know months, mm-hmm. and. Um, that that's concerning because this was a guy who you know was going to be a big net front presence for you. He, he developed chemistry with Kopitar. Um, you know that top line was going to be Brown, Kopitar, Kovalchuk by or you know based on everything I heard. So I I'm concerned because you don't want you know maybe if one of their defensemen goes down it's not a big deal because they have so much depth in that position. But when you look at the forwards and you and, and you see Dustin Brown go down one of your top six forwards. And then not to mention the fact that Gabe Velarde, he still isn't quite ready. He's, he's only been skating around in a tracksuit to this point. Um, it, it, it's concerning. So uh, I, you know, as, as, as much as the LA Kings fan, I am hearing these things about injuries and the fact that, you know, they're, they're suffering here to, to start the year, the season hasn't even started. It's uh, it, it's concerning to say the least. Mm-hmm. I assume uh, that right wing spot is going to be taken by Toffoli. Am I correct? On the top line? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, they're actually looking at, uh, pretty sure Alex Ayafalo is, is the guy oh, penciled in okay. there. He, uh, yeah, he, he played, he, cause the thing with the Kovalchuk is he can play on the right or the left. So essentially what they do is, is they'd have Kovalchuk playing the part of Brown 
And then Aya Fallow, who spent some time on the top line last year with Brown and uh, Kopitar, they're going to slot him in there on the top line. So they, they don't want to mess with the Defoley, Pearson, um, and, and Carter second line. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what they're considering is just having it be Aya Fallow, Kovalchuk, Kopitar. But again, you know, Johnny Stevens, he's, he, he, he likes to flip it around quite a bit. You saw him do that in their last game against Anaheim. I think he was trying out a bunch of different combinations. Uh, when Brown went down. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see some creativity there by him. But uh, for the time being, it, it looks like what I just told you. Yeah. Well, guys, I mean, I listen, LA, fucking stay away. Stay hey, away. Hey, it, but here's the guy who took Johnny Quick. And I, so I, I got to be questioning, <laughs> you know, you're, you got to be questioning. You're just... Oh, don't razz me on the air, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you're, you're true. You're, la trooper and you just we just talking about dustin brown here and now if i'm you i'm a little concerned about hey just to let i want to let the the viewers <laughs> in on my little tactic here well we're doing a draft and nick and i'm a known jack eichel fan nick takes jack eichel it, mm-hmm. just knowing that he's fucking me right over no. so i'm like oh fuck so i'm taking jonathan quick in my next pick of course i am of course, yeah. I'm taking quick. I have to give it right back, right? Well, but see, here's here's the difference. Okay, I'm actually gonna benefit from that. You know, taking oh come from on. you. Whereas the way things are looking right now, with you know that the, that injury I just mentioned to you, and, and the state of the LA Kings in, in game one of '82 here, um, there's reason to be concerned. Hey, hey. Just wait till Jack gets a weird freak injury right before the playoffs. It's gonna happen. Right. It's gonna happen. Right. Happens every year. When the when that when Jack Eichel plays eighty two games, yeah. then I'll 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 be seven feet tall, and All that's right. not gonna happen either. So I don't know, man. It's gonna be a long shot, but we'll see. Hey, I got him we'll in my see. other league, so I, I'm I'm hopeful. Yeah, yeah. So Anyways, moving, we'll get we'll get to we'll get to more who what our fantasy teams look like because yeah we, we had the past two weekends we had our two drafts so mm-hmm. uh, we'll let you guys in on that uh, a little later on yeah it was a pretty tumultuous draft for Very, <laughs> but we'll we'll get into it <laughs> yeah it was tough yeah. but yeah so we talked about preseason we talked about what it meant but one of the things we said was testing line combos. Well, Nick, the Leafs' power play is looking ever so deadly. I mean, Kadri, Marner, Tavares, Matthews, Riley on the point. They are stacking this number one power play, and it was firing at a very pleasant clip from the games that I watched. Um, Just... Very exciting for all everyone who owns those players. What, what do you think of this power play? Is, is it the right move to stack one and have be weak on the other, knowing that, you know, right after the power play is done, someone's going to have to go out on the next line. They might have to roll the fourth line right after. So is this is this a good idea? Is this going to last? And uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? This is oh, this is exciting. Yeah, no, I, I I think you just read my mind there. Because my, my two takeaways is, yes, the obvious one is, holy shit, this looks unreal. This could be historically good. I, I've been I've been reading some reports where people are projecting them to be between 27 and 32%, which for a power play is just, that's just, that's just 
silly good. And when, when you look at the fact that the top PP last year, Pittsburgh, was hovering around 25, um, to, to be at 30%, 5% higher than that, with, with boy, this oh dynamic five-man group, um, it would be really something. And, and, man, it was just fun to watch. Like, seeing Marner just dish the puck around. And, oh. and Matthews with that beautiful shot oh. where he just, he, just, he just took the pass, and the next thing you know, he just flicked it up in the top corner. Oh, um, it, it was just some. Oh my God, it's funny because I was joking around with, uh, with with some Leaf fans, and I was like, it's almost as if you didn't notice Tavares. Like you didn't need Tavares on that power play, and it just <laughs> it just looked so darn good. So when Tavares starts getting in on the action, and you know his net front <sighs> net front presence starts to pay off, um, boy oh boy, it's it's just it's just silly good. Mm-hmm. Um, but but to get to your other point, it, it is interesting. Because you have your three centers on the, on that unit, you you're basically forced to put the uh, the Par Lindholm line there, yeah, um, yeah. on every shift when it's finished. So it, it's interesting because if you're the opposing team and you've got Crosby or Ovi there, just just waiting to get off the bench, mm-hmm. you know, if you're John if you're John Cooper, you read that and you throw Stamkos and Kucherov on just as the power plays over. And now you gotta you gotta you gotta match up in your favor. So oh, yeah. it, it'll be interesting to see how you know the the coaching mastermind of, of, of Babcock <laughs> adjusts to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it we'll we'll see. It's going to be a very interesting storyline um, this year in the show. A hundred percent. And you have to wonder whether you have to wonder whether. Uh, Willie Nylander will shake this up a little bit. I mean, maybe this is something that's happening right now because William Nylander is not in the lineup. And then when he is, they'll make like a 1B, 1B, like they did. 1, 1A, 1B, sorry, like they did last year. That might be the case, but uh, my goodness, at, like at least for now, when, when, when things are as they are, let's just enjoy it as Leafs fans. Let's just rejoice. And uh, just to highlight uh, Mitch Marner out there on the power play, the... You can tell this is his bread and butter because, I mean, uh, I, I've been somewhat critical of Marner in the past, but seeing him skate out there with the man advantage, holy shit, Nick. I mean, I, I'm looking at this guy, and yeah, oh, sure, we like we talked about, it, it's preseason, sure, but the talent level and the way he finds guys and creates time and space, it's unbelievable. Like, this guy... This guy's the real deal, and with with Tavares, oh my goodness, I'm 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 trying to get him in all my leagues. Let's, let's just put it that way. Like this guy, the sky's the limit. If he puts up ninety, I'm not even blinking an eye. This guy's crazy good with the with the vision and the skating and the elusiveness. He's a slippery player. He's like a seal. He's like an oiled up seal. Mitch Marner for the league leading assists. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> no, maybe not. Maybe not that far. Maybe not that far. I mean, if you were in that camp with me, where when you heard people say this was the next Patty, you know, I was I was a little skeptical because I knew who Patty Kane was, and I didn't yeah. know much about this this Mitch yeah. kid. Yeah. But uh, but now I'm I'm sold. That I could I could def- if you just read his career trajectory. Oh yeah. And you kind of and you kind of project where it's going, and you kind of compare it to Kane. There's going to be it's going to be scary close the parallels in the numbers and and between the two players which I, I think is really something and I think the Leafs because it's interesting when you look back at that draft 
there was doubt about taking him there. There was there was mm. Noah Hannafin, there was Ryan Strom. You know, those those were two names who were thrown around there. It was very like up in the air who the Leafs were going to take. But you know, Mark Hunter, he, he went to the podium and very confidently he picked he picked his boy Mitch from London, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's paid off to say the least. I mean, Mark Hunter may not be with the Leafs anymore, but boy oh boy, um, what what a what a what a pick that was. Mm-hmm. So two funny quick stories. A the first me and Nick heard of Mitch Marner mm-hmm. being a good player was from our actual uh, university first year roommate Nick Verhoven. Shout out to Nick Verhoven. <laughs> if he he was shout a shout out to Nick Verhoven. <laughs> yeah, a local Best London boy. Yeah. So before Mitch Marner put up his 100-point season, Nick Verhoven was going to the London Knights, and he was scouting the kid and saying, boys, there's a guy in, on the Knights. you got to see him. His name's Mitch Marner. And what did we say? Fuck you, Nick. There's no one named Mitch Marner on the Knights. And lo and behold, there's a Mitch Marner on the Knights, and he's good. Oh, he was great. Se- second story, funny, I'm coming home from work in my dad's beat-up old pickup truck, and the draft is on. The Mitch Marner draft, 2015, mm. and, I, and I'm listening. I'm listening to the radio with my buddy Daryl, and he, he's he's a he's a character, and I'm going, Daryl, I swear to God, if the Leafs don't pick Mitch Marner, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> we're 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 driving down uh, we're driving down the road, and they announce the pick, and I'm, we're we're just celebrating like crazy. Daryl has no idea who Mitch Marner is at this point, but he's he is just throwing his fist directly in the air saying yes we got our guy so (laughs) he's finally our guy now this is awesome i can't wait two days wednesday october 3rd montreal canadians is it not home opener it is beautiful wednesday they got uh the canadians on saturday and then they got um well chicago on the sunday so yeah I think I, I saw something saying that the first five games are the teams are really weak. So it, it's a good uh, good chance to get off to a hot start. Now, speaking of Montreal, what a perfect segue. Uh, Shea Weber is named captain of the Montreal Canadiens. What a historic day. The Montreal Canadiens have named a new captain. Um, personally, I think this is the perfect choice. I know there was some debate. Weber or Gallagher. Gallagher's that classic character guy. Lead by example, go into the corners, you know, do everything. Team guy. I love Gallagher. The team loves Gallagher. But Shea Weber, he has that presence. You know what I'm saying, Nick? Like, he's been there. He's done that. Sure, he hasn't been gone to a, you know, to a Stanley Cup with the Predators. But this guy's got international experience out the wazoo. Uh, he's been on Team Canada since 2010. Um, he's just a powerful figure in the in the the world of the NHL. You know, a- ask anybody who who would you least want to go into a corner with. You know, seven times out of ten, they're saying Shea Weber. He's a big nasty guy. And from what I've heard from the the players on the Canadians, they love the pick. Uh, this guy is for the team just as much as Gallagher. I I think this is. This is fantastic, and it's a step in the right direction, and it's uh, it's uh, it's feeling good in in Montreal. Honestly, last couple weeks, it's feeling good in Montreal, and that to me is an is a win. And I haven't had one of those in Montreal in a long time. 
Yeah, no, I, 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 you know what? I was surprised when I, when I heard the news this morning, when, when you sent it over to me, I was in the Gallagher camp, to be honest. I, I saw things going there. That's who I thought should have been the captain. But, but now the, the more I let it digest and the more I just let it marinate in my mind, um, two observations. First is he seems to be the guy who leads by example more. He's the kind of captain, I think, who, who maybe he doesn't have to have that loud speech in the room or, you know, rally the troops with his charisma and stuff like that. Because I don't, I don't, to be honest, I don't think he really has that. It's kind of a stoic personality, to be honest. But he seems to be the kind of guy who can lead just by kind of, you know, giving a guy the look, you know, like if he needs oh, a guy yeah. in the dressing room to step up or something, all Shea Weber needs to do is just look at him, you know, show his glare. And, and I think that's all that needs to be said because mm-hmm. he he's just that kind of pro. And, and my second point is this kind of made me look back at the start of last season. Cause if, if you don't, if you'll, you'll recall this being the loyal Habs fan you are um, there, there was a time where Max packed ready. He was slumping and, yeah. you know, in the interview, in the interviews, he was like, yeah, I can't even be the captain right now mm-hmm. because I'm playing worse than the guys I'm playing with. And, and I can't make any comments because no one will respect me. Mm-hmm. And in that troubled time he had there, there was news that, you know, a, a lot of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the responsibilities of a captain, he was very much deferring over to Shea Weber to kind of, to kind of lead before, before he got injured last year. So, um, you know, just, just those two examples, just the fact, the way he leads and also the fact he's kind he's always kind of been that captain in the dark. Like he's been the worst kept secret there. Like you, you almost had a sense he was going to be the captain when, when Patrick moved on out. I just think those two factors um, make it a lot more easy for me now to, to digest this, this pick by Bergevin. Bergevin. I love Bergevin. it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking from a player's perspective, if I'm on the Montreal Canadiens and say we have a lead and we've, we've blown a lead, we're going into overtime and uh, things are a little tense and we're, we're looking around the dressing room. Who are the guys you're looking at? You're looking at Shea Weber. You're looking at Carey Price. I know he did, he's not an assistant captain or anything. It's Paul Byron is the other assistant. And you're, you're looking at Brendan Gallagher. And these guys, you know they're not going to get rattled. You know they're going to go out there and give 110% just like they've been doing all game. And it's a, it's a really calming feeling. I, I like this leadership group in Montreal now. It, it, it's, it's very encouraging to me as, as a Montreal Canadiens fan. That, guy, that young guys like Duran and Domi who might have to be slapped around a bit can look at a, a respected, just, just very widely respected figure like Weber price and gallagher and just i think it's a great example and i'm and i'm really excited uh i know he's injured for the first half but i'm really excited to see montreal this year and uh i might be in the minority but i actually think that montreal could surprise a lot of people this year they might not finish bottom five i'm not saying they're gonna make the playoffs and i'm, I'm trying to get out of my fan bias but i think there's something on this team that can make them finish maybe like, you know, 10th last instead of last. You know what I'm saying? There's something there. The defense isn't all that bad when you add in this young talent. Price could be price. Hey, if price is price, holy shit. You can't come top bottom five. And then who knows what happens with uh, 
with Druen, if he stays on the wing, Domi, let's see how he does. It's uh, We're turning over a new leaf in Montreal, and I think this is the first step in the right direction. Yeah, no, you're right. You mentioned it from the top. I mean, there's almost been like this, 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 you know, little glimpse of, 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 of light, of, of positivism in, in these past few weeks, whether it been caught Kenyemi or this new, new news with the captaincy and, and ending mm-hmm. the dark saga of Pat Gerretti. It, it, it's kind of, it, it's kind of refreshing to be honest. And I'm not even the Habs fan. I'm the last person to be a Habs fan, believe me. But yeah. boy, oh boy, just, just, just kind of looking from the outside, uh, you know, think things are on the up and up, and I, and I don't think that's something you you could say about the Habs the last few years. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Again, another reason to be excited for October third. I mean, yeah. if I could fast well, forward they, these well, next two days. Well, they kick off Saturday. They, they kick off the like the. You're gonna have to Who? wait a little longer. What Montreal? Oh, I, yeah. I thought oh, I thought. Fuck no! What am I saying? No, no. The no. Wednesday, yeah, with oh, Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got Toronto Wednesday, and then they got Pittsburgh Saturday, which should be a good one. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we uh, we want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, so that was kind of our discussion piece. Now we want to kind of dive into a fun little segment that me and Nick thought of here. We thought we'd get into a bit more like you know personal hockey history kind of stuff. So things like favorite player, favorite hockey memory, that kind of thing. So we'll just give you a little. Uh, a little taste of that and we'll we'll start off with your favorite player of all time nick and why wow that's that's you're putting me on the hot seat right away <laughs> all time i didn't even consider the all-time thing I mean, when you, well you know give both yeah sure now and all time i only have one because it's uh, now and you know all time but yeah give both i mean flexible right we're flexible okay, yeah no I'll, I'll be flexible with you here i'll uh okay so let's start with with um, wh- who do you want me? Where do you want me to go first? All time or present? Let's go all time and then present. All time, okay. All time, and this is tough because there's so many to choose from. I think I'm gonna have to go with um, with Tom Nikasik. Ooh, and, and I a goalie. That's, I think that's the goalie in me. For, for yeah. those who don't know, I, I made the transition just personally playing wise uh, about four years ago, and. Uh, he is just a fun guy to watch when you just want to have a good time and have a good laugh. Throw up YouTube videos of Dominic Hasek and his saves. And and he's just, he's a goalie of his own. No, nobody else plays like him. He's a, what's the term they use? He's like a flopper. He oh, yeah. just does what he has to do to be like a fish. in a position to make a save. Like a fish. He's not technically <laughs> sound. He's not there doing the butterfly. He's the last thing from today's NHL. Mm. But boy, oh boy, when you see the saves he makes, the creativity, and then the fact that he's actually pretty fucking good at it. You, know, you, look, <laughs> at his, you, look, you look at his stats, and you, you see his numbers, and, and the numbers he put up, and you see yeah. the Hall of Fame career, and, and, the, and, and, and the Stanley Cup he won with Detroit at the tail end of his year, uh, his years. It, it, it's impressive. So not only stylistically is he just this this fun guy to watch, but he also also got the numbers to prove it. So mm. easy choice for me is Don McCassell. Nice. Um, presently, and uh, I think this almost because I'm the kind of guy who values character in a player more yep. so than maybe the on ice actions. And uh, in that case, I'm going to go with Brett Burns. Ooh. I, I, I bought his his Team Canada jersey a couple of years. Right. Ago. 
And uh, I, I just, I love the player. I, in the interviews, he's just so candid. He's so honest. He's so goofy. There's not, there's no other personality like in, in the NHL. Um, and, and, you know, he, he plays for a, for a fun team. He kind of embraces the Californian, you know, subculture with the whole beard and the whole look where he's kind of looking like fucking Chewbacca. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's fantastic. And uh, the fact he kind of just embraces that persona and kind and kind of has so much fun with it, I, I think he's just a very lovable figure. Like I don't think you go around and a lot of people hate Brett Burns. He's a, he's a hard guy to hate, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and then not to mention on the ice, he happens to be a stud. He seemingly leads the league for defensemen shots on goal. He uh, you know he he scores goals upon goals. I know he had a bit of a down year compared to the year before where he won the where he won the Norris but even on a down year the numbers speak for themselves so I think he's he's a fun player off the ice he's a fun player on the ice and uh I don't there's not a lot you could dislike about Brett Burns so those are my two there two different players but Mm -hmm. but I think two two worthy picks in my opinion you know when I was in Europe and I was meeting a whole bunch of weird European people Mm -hmm. not weird but fantastic and i wanted to show them what a hockey player looks like mm-hmm. i pull up brent burns, brent burns. i yeah. show them a picture this is what hockey players <laughs> look like this is what they all look like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. i mean oh you nailed it right on the head he's a character guy he's a personality in this league that uh the the nhl needs more of him i'll tell you that oh, yeah. right now i'll get into mine and uh first one's not going to surprise you, but yeah, Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby is the reason I got into hockey. So how it started was I was at recess one day in a young age and some guy, it was 2006, some guy was talking about, oh, I can't believe Crosby didn't make the Olympic team. This is shit. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Like, this guy was pissed. Like, you should have seen him, Nick. He was at recess, throwing stuff, throwing balls. Like, it was crazy. I'm like, why is he so <laughs> mad? What is this controversy? I'm going to go home, and I'm going to use the dial-up internet and look it up. So what do I do? I look at this, this guy, Crosby. Oh, young phenom, taking over the league. I'm like, oh, this guy, this guy's awesome. And sure, yeah, I grew up with hockey in, in a sense where my dad, you know, watched Hockey Night in Canada and all that. So I, I grew up around hockey. I never not, like really latched on to something. But Crosby was the first thing I really latched on to. So mm-hmm. even though like at, at that time, it's hard to find, you know, streams. It's Pittsburgh. You're not going to see Pittsburgh on TV, like, you know, unless they're playing the Leafs. You know what I mean? Like we were watching cable, right? No streams or anything. So what am I doing? I'm on sportsnet.ca every single game. I'm like, refresh refresh wow. refresh did crosby score refresh refresh so i was obsessed and then it got even better when I, I was at a flag football game with my my elementary school team and um my friend connor graham his dad had a had a position i think with the islanders and he gave me for free a very authentic very nice uh sydney crosby jersey it has the assistant wow. captain on it so you know it's very old so so that just stuck with me, and the I've grown up with the player. I mean, I, I shed tears when they won the cup in '09, legitimately. So Crosby has always been my 
my favorite guy out there. Um, I want to give another shout out to my second favorite player of all time. This might surprise you, Nick, but it's another goalie like like you had. Wow. It's Carey Price. Okay. It is Carey Price. I uh, And why is this? Why is this? Now, I, I always admired a player who can stand out so far ahead of his teammates. And I'll bring it back to a story. I was on a, a soccer tournament with uh, with my team way back. I don't know when it was, but we were in a restaurant and I was kind of catching my eye. Corner of my eye was watching the, the Boston-Montreal game and I'm just watching Montreal get creamed, outplayed in every way. But what are they doing? They're winning the game. Why? Because Price is standing on his head. How many times have I seen a Montreal goalie throw back to Yaroslav Halak against Washington, save this team in a playoff series? And to me, that stands out more than anything. When a goalie can win a playoff series, this goalie holds a special place in my heart. And I've seen Price do it with Montreal. I've seen him do it with Canada. I've seen him do it all over the place. His cool, calm, collected demeanor, man, oh man, he just, he's so cool to me, you know, and, he, and he's from that northern British Columbia, sure. you know, he just, he fits the mold for me, so, so that's my two favorite players, and, he uh, just needs a cup, he just needs a, oh man, I, he needs, oh, I he need, needs it, he wants it, and, and he's got yeah. it, if he wants to be recognized as one of the greatest goals to go down in history, I think he's going to need the cup. I don't yeah. care if he won the Vezina. I don't care if he won the gold, the gold medal on a stacked Canadian team. I want to see you raise the cup. Yeah, hundred percent. Let's make it happen, Bergevin. Let's make it happen. All right. But he better because he's signed long term. Oh yeah. And uh, Montreal's his home, so he's he's got to make it happen. Eric. He'll get it. He'll. I I guarantee. In, in I guarantee. Provence. Um. So yeah, moving on. This is a good one. This is going to hit home. This is going to be personal. This is the favorite hockey memory. Now, Nick, this can be from your own playing career in the minor in your minor hockey, or this can be NHL. This can be international. Go whatever direction you want to go with this one. Well, first thing I'll say from the get-go is, in terms of just personal, I'd, I'd probably have to go with my last year of eligibility of just playing minor hockey. You know, in, 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 in Midget, which was when my team, the, the North York Knights, we won the, the select championship in, in my final year. I'd never been a guy who'd play on rep teams. I always just played house league my whole life since I was a kid. Just played it for the love of the game. And, uh, and yeah, I, I played select my final year. And it just so happened, the one year I played select, we went all the way and won a championship. So just given how difficult that is and, and, the, and the people I've spoken to and, and who spent years on losing teams to, to feel like it, you know, to, to go kind of one for one and to feel like how, how it is to be on a winning team. And the one year I kind of played for a team, because you know what I'm talking about in house league, you're not really a team. You don't go on road yeah. trips, you don't yeah. really bond in that same way. 100%. Um, that was, that was, that was big uh, winning in that final year. So, so that was great. <clears throat> Um, but what I will say in terms of just a memory, like, uh, this, this is hockey. This is like draw. It's that mixture of, of, of some of the best sports in the world with the drama. It's gotta be, uh, Tavares's magical play. Oh, 
and and come and, and on the story, the story i'll lay out for you is i remember watching this with my family we were crowded around the television up north of my cottage and it was it was the game against russia um uh, for those of you who don't know it was what was it the it was the final correct yeah. It was the semifinal. Or the actually. semis, yes, yeah. it was the semis. Yeah. Felt like a final. How it dramatic did. it was. Yeah. But anyways, Canada, they're, they're losing. I wish I had the clip right now, just to kind of bring the goosebumps back. But mm. they're they're trailing in this game versus Russia, and you know, I I hated the Russians. You know, that's how we grew up in Canada. We don't like the Russians, and then we want Canada to win every year. And 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 here we are, and it's, and they're losing the game with 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 a minute left, and uh, I think it was five four. And uh, I, I just, I could not watch my, my, the, my, like the emotion I had invested in this game. I just, I could not watch Canada lose to team Russia potentially. So I left the living room. I went to my bedroom and I, and I shut the door and I, and I closed my eyes and I closed my ears, little Nick. And, uh, and, and I'm there and I don't, I, I'm just hoping there's a, there's a little bit of hope in me that they'll score and tie this game. And, and, and my family, you know, they're, they're in the living room still watching. They don't know what I'm up to. And, and, and through my closed ears, I hear this, this cheer and, and I, and I leave the living room and I run out living room and, uh, and I hear the Gord Miller's Gord Miller's call. Can you mm. believe it? Oh, and, and it, it was, it was wonderful. It was, it was a wonderful moment because it, it really showed miracles can happen in the sport. You know, you, you, it, it's the drama, the stage, it was in Canada. The, the, the crowd was so lively. They tied the game. Obviously they went on to win the, the championship last, last year or, or that year. And, um, and, and, and now it's, it's a great moment because when you look back at it, you, you know, the whole Pierre Maguire thing, it's one of his greatest moments, <laughs> you know, with, uh, yeah. with the Kalik and ice, the puck and oh, yeah. play and we can, <laughs> recite, we can, rec- we can recite the thing for you. Guys oh, right word now. for word, word for word, 100%. word for word. We, we fucking love that moment. So, so not even like it, does it go, you know, from a kid, do I love that moment? Cause it really got me invested in the sport and the drama <clears> that could come from it, but also just the comedic aspect, the fact that, you know, we all love Pierre and that that's certainly one of his finest moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah. Um, hockey moments between those two. That's, that, that's a nice pair uh, for me. Mm-hmm. Nick, I'm so glad you said that. You gave me goose. <laughs> you gave me goosebumps all over again. I kid oh, you not. Great. That was that will go down in history. But uh, I'm actually gonna touch on that in a second as well. I have I have that one down as well. Believe it or not. Can but, uh, you believe it? Oh, stop! I, I can. I can't I handle can. it. <laughs> because Kalikin, he he iced the puck. Ah! Look at the Russian body language. If I could pay my entire net worth to take that moron out of this call, I would pay it. He f- I know there's a comedic, comedic aspect when we're looking back on it, but there's also a part of it that fucking ruins the call. Don't you dare stick your fucking nose in this ever again, Pierre Maguire. I love you, but seriously... You screwed that up. Now, it doesn't take away from the memory. I'm just saying you blew it, and I hope you know it. So don't ever do that again. All right, moving on to my favorite hockey memory. 
<clears throat> Sorry, I just got a little heated. Mm-hmm. Hot take. So this is this is fantastic. Oh yeah, I'll I'll do a quick dive into my my personal minor hockey league thing, just because we're, we're we'll do both. Uh, sure. So I I don't know the year, but I think it was minor midget. I was playing for the Aurora Tigers A, and uh, we're in the Silver Stick Finals. Okay. So in this tournament, you have to do you have to go through a qualifying tournament, and then like it's it's uh it's a bunch of teams in North America. So there's American teams, there's Canadian teams. It's it's a big deal. Before the game, you've got you know old guys dressed in suits talking about the history of the tournament. It felt real, Nick. It felt like this is actually a a really big deal. So, needless to say, our our team. They just somehow, they came together in, in a way that it, it's it's rare in sports, but when it happens, you really feel it. You know everyone's on the same page, and everyone really, really passionately wants one thing. So uh, we ended up playing a fantastic game. We won one nothing. Our goalie was wow. fantastic. Um, I think I got I think I got the game winner. I'm not 100 percent sure. <laughs> you think. <laughs> but but yeah, I think I got the game winner and then it was just just jubilation at the end of it. It was it was truly like you felt like I'll do anything for this team to win. And uh and it happened. So that was fantastic. And then uh we actually got cuz the silver stick tradition is you get your names in the Hockey Hall of Fame for one year. The Silver Stick winners get their wow. name in the, in the Hall of Fame for years. So I was in the Hall of Fame for a year, and it was uh, it was pretty cool. So that that's my favorite minor hockey memory. There's a lot more, but you know that was that was the one that sticks out. Now my favorite uh, hockey, like NHL hockey memory or professional, whatever you want to call it, is I want to take you back to 2013. The Toronto Maple Leafs have made. The Stanley Cup playoffs. Oh no, Kyle! No, hold on, hold. Hey, whoa, whoa! You got to hear this. This is fantastic. So, the the Leafs haven't made the playoffs since like what? Oh four pre lockout. This is crazy. And I'm I'm not a huge Leafs fan at this point. You know, like before. Well, you don't. You didn't know me back then, but I wasn't crazy about the Leafs. But I really felt the energy, you know, on social media of what people were doing. The Leafs are in the playoffs. People are gathering in Leaf Square. What the hell's Leaf Square? Mm-hmm. Now I'll, I'll give it a go. I think I cut class early and we got on the go train. I had my mm-hmm. Leafs jersey that I borrowed from a friend. I went with two <laughs> other guys, and uh, it's game one. Okay, in uh, 2013, first Leafs playoffs appearance in a long time. And they're doing the preseason stuff. And we have a great standing area in Leaf Square. Everything is perfect. The skies begin to open up and it begins to rain. It starts as a little trickle and then it starts to absolutely pour. And at the very moment it started pouring, they put on the national anthem. And we're all as a crowd of thousands singing O Canada. And it was like... Holy shit. This this is really special. Like I just wanted to turn and hug everybody around me, strangers. There's, you know, drunk idiots. I wanted to join them. Like it felt like everyone in that crowd was like one entity and we all wanted the same thing. 
So, and I, I honestly, I can't remember how the game went, but I think, I think we won that first game. I, I don't really know. You can correct me, but that to me was like yeah, that will know. always stand out to me. It was, it was beautiful. Wow, that, that's great. Goes to show you the magic of. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 if you happen to choose a good night, and and it's a winning night, then uh, boy oh boy, it it. Hmm. And that's that's the magic of sports, right? Is is everyone coming together and, you know, creating those bonds and, oh, I've I've ha- I've had I've watched games with guys who don't like hockey at all, and they've mm-hmm. gotten so into it and we're cheering together and it's like, man, this is this is unbelievable. But uh, yeah, and enough 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 of this stuff. Uh, we'll we'll move on to your favorite goal of all time, and that that can be okay. uh, yeah yeah you know anywhere flexible. Hmm. Okay. Well, there's there's a lot of historic ones you can go to, which uh, you know they they've got their place. But when I think of just one goal, both stylistically and like from a call standpoint, how it was portrayed in the media, mm-hmm. I'd have to go with the Paul Korea goal oh. in the NHL final between New Jersey and Anaheim. Hey. But before you go on, Nick, I was literally thinking of a second goal, and that was the goal I was thinking of in my head. I can't. I I kid you not. That was the goal in my head right now. It was crazy. Okay. Oh. So the, here's here's my rationale here. This is three pronged. Yeah. Number one, the storyline in the game is Scotty Stevens, one of the best defensemen to ever play in the NHL, and who was kind of the top dog in that generation. There. For for the record, I didn't watch hockey back then. I'm only reflecting on what what I what I heard and what yeah. I've seen, and and Scotty Stevens was that you know Norris Trophy winning defenseman, but he was also a bit a big hitter, really hard nosed guy and very physical, and so he lays out Paul Korea earlier in the game. Korea leaves the game, looks like he's donezo, and turns out Korea returns. He 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 comes back into the game, and. There's there's this miraculous moment, come uh, come 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 later, later in the game where he, he's rolling down the he's rolling down the left side of the ice, and uh, oh I forget the commentator's name but he says he says something along the lines of fans want the, the fans want one and I'm just and, oh. and it's just kind of set setting the mood, and he crosses the blue line, and it's the most wicked slap shot oh. like skating to slap shot you will ever see. And he goes top corner on arguably the greatest goaltender to ever to ever play the game, and it, it's just this miraculous moment where this undersized <clears throat> player comes speeding up the wing, takes slap shot, and just goes roof daddy on Martin Brodeur. Mm. And 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 the commentator goes, he goes, the fans want one, the fans want one, and he, and and he goes off the floor. On the the board. board. Oh, Ah. It's one of the greatest calls you will ever hear. Wow. And um, it it, it was fantastic. So uh, if I got to pick a favorite goal, kind of coupled with the call, that's got to be it. Man, oh, man. Yeah, that's that's fantastic, Nick. Like, you you nailed it on the head. I think that call, I think, I can't even think of – a better call than that just knowing all the circumstances that's that's crazy so yeah for my favorite goal 
Oddly enough, my favorite goal is the Eberly goal 09, the one you mentioned <laughs> with uh, with the Russian semifinals. I couldn't leave it out of this. You know I wasn't going to leave it out of this. I'll I'll give you quickly my side of the story of where I was and you know, it's one of those where were you when moments. Sure. And uh so I was at my my dad's I was with my dad and his longtime friend, his name's Rob. And we're at Rob's house and Rob's got a son. He's a bit younger than us, but we're all watching the game. And, um, you know, we've, we've watched it start to finish and it's getting late in the game. We're down by one, as you know, you know, the story. And, uh, my, my dad, for some reason, I, I think this is how it went, but he was, he was really optimistic and he's like, we're going to get one. It's Canada. We can't lose. So, I don't know who started it, but the four of us, this ragtag group of people, we all started singing the national anthem right as like literally a minute to go. Like when when Ryan Ellis is jumping up against the boards to, to, to stop the puck from leaving the blue line, we're singing the national anthem. And then Tavares knocks it up to the, uh, to the goalie there. And then Eber- we're, we're still singing. We're like, oh, Canada. And then Everly pulls it back. And I just, I just remember fucking bouncing off the wall. <laughs> I remember me as the young lad that I was at the time. And my friend, his name was Ryan, which was Rob's son. We're f- freaking out. And uh, my my dad and his buddy, they're they're kind of drunk. And it's like, wow, this is... This is what hockey's all about. This mm-hmm. is fantastic, but uh, I, I'll I'll mention another one, <clears throat> just because, you know, I might as well. There's a lot of good goals out there. Sure. It was actually the next year, Vancouver, 2010. Oh, yeah. Of course, of course, we have to mention this. I mentioned who my favorite player was, right? So, uh, the finals, 2010 Olympics, USA Canada. Zach Parise ties the game late against the good old Canadian boys. And at to this point, Crosby had had a quite, I guess you could say it, it was a disappointing tournament. He wasn't lighting it up like people thought he was mm-hmm. as, as the best player on the team, which, yes, he was. Um, but uh, needless to say, this goal erased any doubt because it was... Well, let me give you a little bit of backstory. We're in my basement, and I was with the family for this one. And uh, when when Zach Parise tied it up, there's something inside of me that was like, I kind of like this. You know, I was like, I don't want it to just end boring like this. Like, I want I want Canada to win in in grand fashion in Vancouver, the Olympics. I want this oh, yeah. stage to be as big as it can possibly get. So. I'm with I'm beside you know my whole family my mom's freaking out I think she she was like I can't watch the overtime <laughs> I'm gonna close my eyes I can't watch it she's yeah. having heart oh, attacks and honestly like when I'm watching my favorite team in overtime I, I I'm like that too I didn't feel nervous Nick like I was I was as confident as ever and then when again like got it to Crosby it happened in the blink of an eye mm-hmm. and all of a sudden everybody's up in the air like like you could not even see straight 
that's how crazy people were going. And then I remember looking at the reaction around Canada and just seeing just everybody, the whole country coming together to celebrate this one goal. It's one of the best, one of the biggest goals in Canadian history. And, uh, that and the Henderson goal for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I was just glad to have be some sort of part of that because a lot of those old goals we weren't alive for, we weren't really Mm -hmm. hockey fans for. This is one of those goals where we're like, yeah, I was watching that and I was a sentient hockey fan and I knew what was going on. And this was my favorite player in Canadian soil. It's crazy. All the factors line up to make this a perfect situation. So yeah. I, I, I can say no more. That was one of the best goals of all time. And ask any Canadian and uh, they'd happily agree with you. 100%. So, yeah, we'll move on to our final little personal question here. Your favorite team, and this could be childhood team and current team. Again, flexible. Well, I, I think after all the... the the romanticizing we've done these last few segments it's it's kind of tough to live up to that with i know yeah you, you really know, can't like this you really but can't I'll, I'll split it into two here and it's probably already been you know publicized to the public based on where conversations have gone but my favorite team without a doubt is the toronto maple Leafs, and then that's got to be because you know i'm a native of toronto and that's the team i've cheered for since i've been a young kid and it's always been that way it's always going to be that way um it's just you know an an infatuation with the team all the years because i started tuning in you know in the raycroft age in the toscala age and and those were dark times and and just how things weren't going well and and just slowly the build towards finally making the playoffs in 2013 things almost went right and you and you just lost to boston and 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 things things you know it was the first little glimpse of positivism for the franchise. And then to kind of have another kind of down segment, but then you have the new management role in and Carlisle's gone and Babcock's in and Shanahan's in and this kid called Dugas who no one's heard of is in and, and the draft of Matthews and, and, and all the other side pieces along the way, Marner, Nylander, just the slow build. It's been it's been like a raw rocky roller coaster for me just being a Leafs fan the last I guess it, you could say decade now, and um, it, it it's fun to see everything pay off. It, it hasn't paid off just yet. You got to hoist the cup and, and hopefully it's coming here in the next in the next few years maybe even this year, but just to have it all pay off you know to to see it almost complete the puzzle almost complete, it, it it's really something. And, uh, and yeah, no, it, they're my team and, and I'm with all Leaf fans. Ho- hopefully they get it done this year. The only other thing I'll mention is if I have a team outside the Leafs, which I'm sure every Leaf fan has got to have, it's the LA Kings. And, and we've <laughs> talked about this enough. It's, it's, I'm obsessed with, you know, I, I love California. I love the state. I've visited, I've had the pleasure of visiting on several occasions. I've, I've visited San Diego, LA, you know. Um, I've, I'm a huge baseball fan. I've been to the stadiums there, all, 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 you know, Dodgers Stadium, Angels Stadium, uh, where the Athletics play, uh, where the Giants play, which is a beautiful stadium, AT&T Park. If you've never been, um, it, 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 I'm just obsessed with California. I hope to retire there, 
And when it comes to hockey, it's it, it's interesting how the Gretzky trade, the history kind of revolving that, how it kind of ushered in hockey, how one single transaction can change the mm -hmm. entire sporting landscape within a state. And that's exactly what happened um, in that year. And it, it was amazing what it did for the sport there and, and how it progressed since. And it's funny when you think about it, Gretzky never hoisted the cup. Um, but, you know, just a few years ago, the Kings finally won their franchise. Cup, and uh, it, it was a great moment for all those native Californians who had been cheering for that team since Gretzky came there. And it was a great final. And you, you saw them beat the Rangers. And, and they were, I believe they were the eighth seeded team last week, that year. And, and they were the ultimate underdogs. And, and they came back from... I think they they came back from 3-0 or 3-1 in a particular series. It, it, was, it was just a great storyline, and, and the cup was kind of the, the cherry on top. So mm -hmm. they're my franchise. You know, I mentioned California, and I cheer for all the California teams, particularly San Jose and L.A. But, um, but when you think, if I had to single out one, I think just that history, you know, me being a historian, me being a hockey historian, I kind of got it pick the Kings on this one, just being the franchise's first team and, uh, and, and to finally, you know, get that cup just a few years ago. So um, LA Kings sealed and dealed that that's my team. Very nice, Nick. Yeah. And I want to just quick, give a quick shout out now that you mentioned the Kings in that, in that sort of era. Um, one of the Kings players, um, one of the Kings enforcers was uh, named Jim Thompson from that area era. He was, with the Kings when they uh, played the Leafs in that uh, in that final there, and um, he was my coach and he was my mentor for many years. So, just want to give a quick shout out to him and I hope he's doing well. But I want to get into my favorite team now. Uh, obviously, needless to say, after my story about Crosby, my childhood team was always the Penguins, uh, and I, I spent a lot of loyal years as a Penguins fan. And uh, just being in the Toronto area, growing up in Toronto, I really wanted to like the Leafs. When I was young and impressionable, it seemed as though the Leafs kept making decisions that turned me away. And I, I'm sure a, a lot of people can say this, but a couple things I want to go back to is, obviously, you know, needless to say, the mediocrity up until recently, but uh, the Kessel deal really set me for a huge loop because I was really following Tyler Sagan the whole draft. I was like, oh, I really want the Leafs to get Tyler Sagan. He's awesome. And then the Kessel deal, two first round picks. And then knowing that that second went to Boston and it was Tyler Sagan, I was like, man, this is a stab in the back. And then there was a draft where we took Tyler Biggs with our first round. And I was like, man, this is a stab in the back. <laughs> so I was just like, man, I, I wanted to like the Leafs as a kid so bad. But they kept, they kept turning me off. Um, now, that being said, currently, if I don't like Pittsburgh was my favorite team growing up simply because of Crosby. You take Crosby off that team. And honestly, I don't really care. Uh, right now it's Montreal and that was mainly because Price got me into that and then I kind of fell in love with the history and the, the grandiosity of the Canadians so that's kind of where I'm at right now 
I want Montreal to succeed more than anything right now just because they're the team I've really fell in love with recently. Um, but that being said, like I'm one of those rare hockey fans who likes Toronto and Montreal. I know people say that's all oh, that's sacrilegious. You can't do that. And, and believe me, I'm one of them. And me, me and some <laughs> friends of Kyle, we've we've totally given him the biggest shit for it. But he maintains he's a he's absent. And so there you go. But yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, come on, like you can't really say like I don't know. It seems like an old time mentality to to say you can't like the Leafs if you like the Habs. But truth be told, I, I like I like both. Like like factually speaking, if I would be happy if either one of them won, and yeah, sure, put them up against each other, and I will, I cheer for Montreal, but. You know, I like Toronto as well. So that's where that's where I'll leave my stuff. It's always been Pittsburgh from a, from a young child, but uh, it's totally Montreal right now. Yeah, that's that. I mean, I commend you for that. It would be easy to say, just given where they are compared to, you know, the Habs. But the fact that you're still kind of taking the Montreal you know, pick here saying they're your favorite team, despite the fact they're they look miles behind the Leafs in terms of their trajectory here coming up. I'll, I'll give you that one. I don't respect the fact you're a fan of teams, but the fact you're still sticking with Montreal when the times are are pretty grim here. Um, I'll give you that one. Okay, folks, that was our uh, our general hockey talk discussion. Expect more episodes to be a lot like this one where we break down the the latest news in league and that kind of thing. And if we can mix in our own personal stories like we did today, even better. I mean, I I really enjoyed today's episode cuz you know, we got to get into more of why why we're doing this, you know, why why do we really love hockey and what makes it so special to us and I I personally really enjoyed it and I expect that we will be doing more stuff like this and we're going to keep up with the the NHL's news and most of all we're fired up for Wednesday. I mean, bring it on. I can't wait to watch Montreal. We're going to a draft, uh, sorry, a, um, a season openers party. It's it's great. Oh, I'm, I'm stoked. We, we, we got plans. We got beers. We got pizza. We got, it's it's finally here. And um, it, it, it's fantastic. It's It's been a long time coming, I'm sh- especially with the Tavares trade. I think it's been almost the longest oh. off season, personally, I felt. Expand yeah. this podcast. Uh, it's just so much excitement building, and it, and it finally, 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 all comes uh, all comes to a head this Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, I, I I'd only echo what you said, and and I can't wait to get things going here. Guys, this is Rink Moose with the Rink Moose podcast, and we are signing off. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.